93.7 Express FM. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special podcast. This week we spoke to Stuart Seagrove from Bisco Solicitors all about our finances. We were also discussing the impact on our mental health that coronavirus is having. Uh, we chatted to Sue Forber from Solent Mind all about that a little bit later on. We'll also be joined by co-founder of WellFit and Sweat Southsea, Luke Newton, to talk about physical fitness. And also later on, Over the White Line host and our local sport expert Henry Deacon on the show to talk to us about local sport and the impact that that is going to have on the community in the coming weeks and months. As always, if you have a question or a concern, you can get in touch with the show and email me robbie at expressfm.com and I will do my very best to try and answer them on the show. Wednesdays from 6pm this happens normally but of course we pop it up as a podcast as well like you've got it from now expressfm.com Right, first guest of the evening Stuart Seagrove from Bisco Solicitors. Stuart, hi to you. Hello, Robbie. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for your time this evening. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, first things first, then, I want to come on to... I know that this is a, this is a pretty big topic that we're, that we're trying to sort of cover here, but if you, if you can, can you just sort of summarise where a lot of people are at the moment and the sort of the situation for... Well, we'll come on to sort of self-employed and whatnot, but if you're a, if you're a general employee at the moment... Where where are people? Where where, where are where's our money? Sort of where's the situation with our employers at the moment, and what what sort of are we expecting to happen? If if you know what I mean. Okay. Well, the sort of general position is that there's lots of businesses out there that are uh, struggling at the moment and don't have the work uh, available for all of their employees, and. The government recognises that this could lead to a situation where many employees would need to be uh, made redundant, uh, which would have knock-on effects uh, across the country. Um, as a alternative to that, they've come up with this uh, coronavirus job retention scheme, uh, which we're referring to as sort of furlough leave. Um, furlough generally means sort of temporary leave of absence from work, um, but the details are contained within the um, government guidance and HMRC guidance that they've been releasing in sort of piecemeal uh, yeah. as uh, issues have been identified. Um, generally, for employees, um, if the employer uh, wants to place them on furlough leave, uh, they can uh, be placed on furlough leave uh, with the government uh, paying back the employer up to 80% of their salary to a maximum of £2,500. There isn't a right for the employee to be placed on furlough leave at the employee's uh, desire or their wish. Mm -hmm. um, it's down to the employer to, if they wish to put the employee on leave, um, and in circumstances where the employer puts them on leave and pays 100% of their salary, so not the 80%, but 100% of their salary, they don't necessarily need the employee's express uh, permission to do that. But where there's any changes to the employee's uh, contract terms, such as their um, how much they're being paid, etc. They they would normally need an agreement from the employees to to take a reduction in pay. So a lot of employers are having to um, consult with their employees and agree with them the the sort of got the uh, furlough leave. Uh, 
pay that they're, they're being reduced to, to the 80%. Um, it is a lifeline, though, to businesses and to employees. Um, but there are some hidden problems uh, which are becoming more uh, prevalent and some employers are still choosing uh, the redundancy route over the furlough leave even in circumstances where they could um, because of hidden costs that uh, employers might come up against later on. So, so what it isn't doing though, it's, so it's not completely guaranteeing, so just, just because you get told you're being furloughed, that doesn't completely guarantee that you are going to be able to you know, get your job back whenever, this, whenever things come back to normal? Um, it basically puts a uh, puts the employee uh, in a situation where they're off work with a proportion, if not all, of their their income uh, covered, depending on what sort of income they've got and what the employer uh, agrees to do. Mm. Now, the minimum period that an employer can put their employees on furlough leave for. Um, and recover the money uh, is three weeks. So you could have a period of furlough leave of three weeks. The maximum at the moment is to the end of the scheme, uh, as we know it, the, the, it lasts until the 31st of May for three yeah. months. But it's indicated that that would be uh, something that is going to be reviewed at that stage. So it might be something that continues on after that. We, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see what the state of the, the country is at, at that time. Um, but anywhere in between. So the employer can put an employee on furlough leave for three weeks. Uh, the new guidance that was released at the weekend shows that the, there can be sort of recycled furlough leave where employees can be brought back from furlough leave or the furlough leave can be alternated amongst the workforce. So you rotate it effectively. Um, it can be the case. And as you see in lots of the furlough leave agreements that we've seen recently, the employer gives themselves the ability to put them on furlough leave for as long as they need to, subject to the scheme coming to an end or the employer choosing for them to, to come back to work. Um, so it's it's a bit of a movable feast, really. We, we had a question through from a couple of people actually saying that they they'd recently been told by their employers that they they were going to be furloughed, but they weren't given much clarity in terms of the the sort of actual logistics of being furloughed. So things like, are you gonna do you get paid at the same same times because of that? Uh, also, is it going to sort of affect your tax and things like that? Is it what kind of effect does that have? Are things fairly normal? Um. Nothing's really sort of fairly normal at the moment, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's a situation where the employer will pay the usual tax, uh, national insurance on their proportions. The employer can recover the, nas- the employer's national insurance contributions uh, under the application for the grant they make. The problem we have is at the moment cash flow because. Yeah employers have to pay out um, the monies first and if they pay that out under their usual sort of payroll, uh, as most employers would probably do, um, they're not able to recover that money uh, under the uh, government scheme until the portal is set up, which they're not even anticipating is going to be until the end of April. So at the earliest, the the, the point in time where employers going to be able to start recovering money is not going to be until the end of April and that's you know, with 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 a bit of luck that they've got the the, the portal up and running by that time. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a cash flow issue for employers to make sure that they've got those things in place. For employees, if they've been placed on furlough leave, the employers uh, agreed to pay them. It's likely they'll get paid in the usual way, usual 
tax and national insurance deducted, the level of pay that they receive is obviously subject to what's been agreed if it's uh, the 80% uh, up to the maximum of 2500 or um, or if the employer's agreed to top that up uh, in any way. With the uh, sums that the employees can expect to receive, there are some things that are included as usual, so normal sort of basic pay. Um, if there is any uh, contractual commission uh, that is due to the employees, so people that work in sales, uh, estate agents, car salesmen, uh, if they've got commission owing to them for sales that are in the process before they went on furlough, leave, they the employers can recover that, so they can pay that on to the employees and recover that as part of that 2500 Things that aren't included, though, are things like tips, uh, discretionary payments like bonuses or discretionary commissions that the employer has the option of, uh, of paying or not. Um, so it, it depends on what your usual situation for the employee is and whether they, they fall within those sort of uh, bands. Other yeah. things that aren't included are, for example, um, uh, non-monetary sort of benefits, so uh, company cars, the car allowances you could probably claim, but not the uh, a sum of money for the use of a car. Um, and if there's any sort of uh, non-monetary uh, say healthcare uh, benefits and things that the employer pays on, so they can't sort of recover those kind of costs as well. So uh, whether or not the employer continues to provide those to the employee um, is, is up to the employer, really, isn't it? And the employee coming to to an arrangement on that. Yeah, and and I, and I know that the fact that this is obviously in the you know it's not an easy time for anyone, and it's not an easy time for employers, and it's also not an easy time for people that have having to make these decisions and, and run these businesses. We had someone um, get in touch and say that I've had an issue with with being furloughed because uh, my the company I work for decided to furlough my colleague instead of me because I'm more experienced and more knowledgeable in our systems, so in, so I'm needed for business. However, I'm in a higher risk group with the, with my asthma and will be living and caring for my dad who is extremely vulnerable as he's over 70 with underlying health conditions, yet they choose business needs over an employee's health. What kind of, what kind of advice would you give to people that are, being, you know, that, that, are, that are not being furloughed and yet you know, aren't able to work as such, you know, if they're going to put their health first? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's very complicated in the sense that if they are not placed on furlough leave and the employer wants them to work, unless they are sick, uh, upon which they would go on to sick leave and get the normal sort of sick pay that they get under their contract or, or statutory sick pay if they don't get contractual sick pay, um, then if they're in a situation where they just feel that they're at risk because of themselves or a family member, they need to have um, some certification uh, to show that they have been advised um, either by sort of one one service, uh, a doctor uh, or Public Health England that they are not allowed to, to go into work or they're at higher risk. Otherwise, they are effectively, if they don't come into work, they're, they're absent without leave. Um, mm. There is uh, a bit of a legal argument on that if the employee refuses to come into work when they've been requested, whether the employee can be disciplined for that. There is uh, a provision in the Employment Rights Act under Section 100 which uh, can make it an automatic unfair dismissal if an employee is dismissed for uh, asserting um, risk to their health and safety. Um, and given that there is potential risk to health and safety through carrying on working in an environment where there is 
uh, coronavirus, um, that's an argument that I think employees in that situation will be raising and employers will be having to, to deal with uh, with the with the employees that raise that. Sure. And, and I suppose for, for, for a lot of people that are in this, you know, d- d- desperately uh, tough situation at the moment is I guess they can come to, to people like you come to Biscos and whatnot. And, and I suppose that's the best the best point of call at the moment, is it? Yeah, it's it's like many things in employment law. It's, it's very subjective to each individual mm. person's circumstances. Um, can you can tailor uh, specific answers in relation to their situation. Um, one size doesn't always fit all. You've got a general picture, but in some circumstances, your advice would be uh, along one line, and in others, there might be a better resolution. Um, a lot of it comes down to both the employees and the employers are trying to find the best way through a difficult time. Uh, employers you know, generally don't like um, having to lose employees or, or, or cut their pay or change their working patterns. And employees don't, don't like it either, but they, they're having to try and find a way that works. Um, I've spoken to you know, some quite emotional employers that are almost sort of beside themselves in situations where potentially even that they have certain work available and they're having to pick and choose which employees that they um, need to do the work and, and those that, that they can put on furlough leave. And they're sort of explaining, well, how do we make that choice? We're not, you know, officers in the, the armed forces that yeah. decide who's the best people to go into risky situations. It's a it's a horrible situation for an employer to be in. Um, and they just want to do the best by their employees most of the time, whilst keeping a business afloat that will be there at the other side to, to bring the employees back on board. Employees on furlough leave are not restricted um, from from having a second income in the sense that uh, provided that the, the employers agree there is in the contract that they're, they're, they're allowed to, to work elsewhere as well, um, the employees can have uh, a job that they're working on and be on furlough leave as well. Well, that's where I, that's where I wanted to go go next because that, that kind of ties in with, with with agency work and zero hour contracts and whatnot. What's the what's the situation with them? Are they are they going to hopefully be, you know be treated in the same way? Yes, in the sense that if you've got um, the sort of true agency workers and the true uh, zero hours workers, they are deemed um, as, as as employees for the purpose of the scheme, so they still can claim in the usual way. What counts uh, as, as sorry? What counts as true? Is that sort of a true? Well, well with with some agency situations, you see people having their own private limited companies set I up see. and working for uh, getting placed to work on sort of consultancy basis within within organisations. Yeah, they they wouldn't be the sort of usual employees, but where they are employed uh, under an employment contract by the agency, and then the agency places them in in in, in work placements with other organisations, they would still be entitled to the um, the, the furlough leave recovery uh, as any other employee. But those that have their own sort of personal service companies set up to invoice their services through an agency to someone else that's that's not covered by the scheme uh, and that would presumably fall under the, the sort of self-employed um uh, proposals that the government put forward to look after the self-employed sure all right well there's i know i know that there's the one, one thing i want to touch on before we let you go is is the self-employed and i know there's there's millions of completely different cases and, and that's the, the problem here with self-employed is that, is that there are so many different um 
sort of di- different issues that self-employed people are facing cash flow issues a lot of people not qualifying for the for the government support and whatnot where would you where would you tell people you know there's a lot of people on the south coast that are um that that do run you know are little entrepreneurs and run small um, businesses and whatnot what advice are you giving to them at the moment well if if you're an employee but you have a side business that you're self-employed on and at the moment you can only claim for the main uh, part so if you're mainly an employee but you have a side uh, business where you you invoice as a, as a self-employed person then you, you can't recover that you can only recover the uh, furlough leave uh, under the um, the 8% under the um, employment side of things yeah if you are truly self-employed then there is uh, provisions in place where the scheme will support self-employed people with a taxable grant up to 80% of their average monthly income, which is still capped, it's capped to the 2500 again. Um, that income is calculated by taking an average income over the last three years. Um, but as I say, there's, there's there's been update after update after update. So everything yeah. we've sort of gone through today is... is um, live currently, um, but things are changing. Things are being clarified, um, and things are being confirmed, and, and new new elements introduced. And I guess suppose it's best for people to just you just advise and just to sort of try and understand their patch and just keep an eye out on on, on things because, you, as you said, updates are so things are changing so quickly at the moment. Um, yeah, I keep keep an eye on the uh, on the updates where we're. we're we're posting things uh, online on LinkedIn, on our Facebook pages, through our website, uh, as well as we come across it. We're emailing out to our, our clients, our business clients, so they keep abreast of what's going on uh, with any developments that come in, in play. Um, but ultimately, the best advice is normally before you do anything, just pick up the phone to the lawyer. You know, check it out first. Speak to your lawyer. Speak to your accountants. And, and, and see what the latest position is at the time that you're you're making a decision on something. Sure. Um, there's lots of employers out there that jumped the gun and made redundancies right at the start, um, and the government allowed them to undo those and bring those employees back to work so they could furlough them. Um, they they went ahead based on what they could do at the time, and then the law changed. Um, there are employers still now haven't taken the. Um, to jump to, to place employees on furlough because they're waiting for the the, 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 you know, the last up-to-date information before taking any decisions in case it affects their business. All right. Well, listen, we'll leave it there for now, Stuart. Thank you so much for, for your time this evening and uh, we, we really do appreciate it. And it's, I know it's a lot for us all to get our heads around, but we'll, we'll keep updated. And thanks again for your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Express FM. Welcome back to the coronavirus special. We're now going to talk about the impact that this is happening on our mental health. And to help us uh, with that, Sue Forber from Solon Mind. Sue, thanks for your time this evening. Are you well? Yes, I'm keeping well so far, uh, trying to keep up with my daily exercise and enjoying the good weather while yes, I'm out doing um, my walks and runs. Absolutely, it's important. Well, it's uh, tough physically at the moment but also we're where are we now we're, we're, we're two and a half weeks into into this lockdown it's i feel like now it's starting to to really take take its toll on sort of people's mental health at the moment definitely i think uh, the kind of if there was a novelty factor i think that has definitely worn off and i think you know for some people living in you know really difficult situations 
where they're, you know, crammed into a small space with no outside garden or anything, um, with, with, you know, a big family or people that are in a difficult relationship and having to carry on being in the same space as that other person all the time. You know, it is really difficult. So um, I think as time goes on, the idea that we don't know when this is going to be um, lifted is is quite a challenge to to our mental well well being. Yeah, and and one of the one of the phrases you 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 hear a lot when it comes to sort of psychology and and, and mental health and whatnot, and and one that I've heard a lot in sport and things like that is you know about controlling the controllables and about these things that you can control, you can't control, and that's what sort of is the pinnacle in this situation, isn't it? That it's the unknowns, it's the uncontrollables that we yeah. we're, we're hating. Absolutely. So I think that's actually a really good tip is to work out the things that we can control in our current situation and concentrate on those rather than the things that we have no control over, such as, you know, when is the lockdown going to be lifted? So, for example, you know, people can, wherever possible, make sure that they do get at least some fresh air, even if the only way they can do that is to open a window and sit next to it and take some nice deep breaths. But ideally, if people are not self-isolating or with a family where somebody is, you know, to get out and have that daily exercise is really important. Other things that can make a real difference to keeping up our well-being is, you know, not getting hooked into continuously following the news and reading up about coronavirus for you know all the waking hours because actually that that just feeds our anxiety so I think you know just giving ourselves like an hour a day for example when we're going to read what the latest advice is what the latest news is but that's that's as much as we're going to do because otherwise we are locked into that thing of feeding our anxiety but not being able to control the kind of external world that we're in at the moment and on on that on just on that point that you mentioned about you know uh sort of not trying to you know don't flood your brain with with information all day and and this because it's such a bit you know such a huge issue and that's what we say on the show every week that it's you know it's a global issue and it's a national issue and it gets so much global information so much national information is it important that people maybe just just focus focus on your household just focus on your street and, and 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 try to only keep it to that yeah absolutely and i think you know one of the one of the really positive things that's come out of this is you know the numbers of people that have come forward to volunteer to help you know with the nhs but also in in our local neighborhoods so people you know offering to do shopping for each other and actually focusing on that kind of thing not only takes your mind off, you know, the whole global, you know, mm. massive changes that are going on and the, you know, the worries about the death rates and the testing and so on, but actually you're doing something positive for somebody else, which makes a big difference to them. But when we help each other, the act of doing something for another person actually improves our own well-being, not just their well-being. So that is is another important message to look around and think, how can I help someone in my family? How can I help a neighbour? Can I just ring them up? Can I take something to the post office for them? 
whatever it might be. But in doing stuff to help others, we're actually helping ourselves as well. And in a, in a sort of a strange roundabout way, I, I remember I saw something on, on social media right at the start of this, a good sort of three, three weeks ago or, or something. And someone said, you know, this is a, a, a obviously the, the word unprecedented, I'm sick of hearing, but I'm going to say it yeah. here. The, it's, it is an unprecedented time. But in a weird way, the world was so busy before all of this happened. And, it, and in, a, in a weird way, it, it still is really busy. And, it's, and it almost feels like it's busier and there's more going on. But equally, is it kind of a chance for us to just suddenly focus on ourselves and our family and our patch and, and just slow everything down a little bit? Yeah, I hope that people are are, are able to do that. Um, I think it's, it is particularly difficult for people who already had mental health issues before this came along um, because this just adds another layer of, of you know, um, anxiety depression and so on Mm. but I think for a lot of people we can just think okay this is you know perhaps people who've been furloughed from work for example suddenly there is extra time in their day there is their their immediate environment and they can actually just slow down because I think you know in general the way that we live is is quite unhealthy for, for most of us, you know, we, we tend to, you know, we've created a society, for example, where if you're in a two-parent household, you know, you need two incomes coming in, stuff like that. That's actually not really a great way for for families to live. But when we've got the opportunities that are thrown up by this mm-hmm. to spend more time with our families, reminding ourselves, you know, what's really important in our lives being able to relax and read a book or listen to music stuff again that can distract us from you know worrying too much about the um virus i think that that could be you know a kind of unintended positive that comes out of this and maybe who knows when when things are lifted and gradually um you know we can return to jobs and going shopping and socializing and so on maybe this experience will stay with us and help us you know to make some different decisions about how we live our lives and you, you, you mentioned there about you know picking pick a great time to pick up a book and, and try something different and a lot of people are uh, have been suggesting this I've seen loads of people suggesting you know try these new skills try 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 something that you've never done before is there also an argument to say well no don't do any of that just enjoy just sitting on the sofa and watching something that you love on Netflix definitely definitely I would say I'm, I'm pleased not, not gonna lie <laughs> yeah do not put pressure on yourself to you know learn a foreign language or learn to play the guitar yeah. so, you know this is really tough stuff the way we're living right now it's hard do not put pressure on yourself so it's one thing to think oh I really like reading I'm going to pick up a book but it's another to say oh I must be productive at all times and I must use this time to um do something you know, to learn something or to, you know, set up some big new project. So, you know, I would say, no, you don't need to do that. If all you need to do is just survive and get through this in the best way you can, that is enough. Do not have too high expectations of yourself. 
We had a, well, I suppose what, we, what we've been talking about has generally been, been focused on, on adults and, and people that are sort of independent for themselves at the moment. But we had a message also from, from Kate and a few other people as well. Kate says, I'm just about get, managing to get through this with my other half. However, my kids love the outdoors and they're really struggling. I can tell that they're struggling with their mental health. How, what, what, that, that's a very good point there because, you know, more than, even more than adults, kids, lo- you know, I loved being outside when I was younger yeah. and, and you know exploring and the fr- the freedom of being a human being when you're young um that this what what, what advice is there to kids because there, there's a lot yeah. of this that they won't understand as well there is absolutely so i think again it's about you know looking after ourselves as families you know reminding ourselves to be kind to each other you know expecting that kids may well be feeling anxious and unsettled so allowing yourself to kind of expect that and to respond to that. I think, yeah, being stuck indoors is difficult. So try and keep up some sort of routine around, you know, sleep and eating and so on. But think of ways that you can do some fun stuff with your kids that doesn't involve going outside. Make sure that you do have you know, regular breaks from screens, but don't beat yourself up if your kids are, you know, using um, smartphones and um, tablets and so on and, uh, you know, um, video games because that's okay, you know, as long as they're not doing it 24-7. Yeah. What I would say is that um, our peer support and young people team have put together a family toolkit, which is on the Solent Mind website, which suggests some top tips for families to kind of keep busy and keep well during this this difficult time. So I'd really recommend people to have a look at that. So the so so because I wanted to I wanted to mention Solent Mind as well because the the work yeah. that you guys do is, is fantastic and I imagine it's it's you know a lot of people will 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 be um will be wanting you'll, you'll be in high demand at the moment I imagine so there's there's tool there's tools sort of on your website and whatnot and people can yeah. also also chat sort of one to one with people. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so um, our services have worked really hard to kind of adapt what we usually do, which is. You know, on in a normal situation, we do a lot of face-to-face work and groups and courses and so on. So we've been adapting all our services to be offered, you know, by phone, by text, online, etc. We've set up a helpline, um, which is currently available between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Um, for the general public who perhaps haven't worried about their mental health in the past, but are finding that their mental health is being adversely affected um, in this current time. Mm -hmm. So we've got that helpline up and running. And depending on the demand for that, we would hope to expand the opening times as, as, you know, the days go by. But currently it's 10 till 2. And we've got um, a whole range of different ways that we're trying to support people. So we've set up a portal for all that information on our website, our web address is um, solentmind.org.uk. And when you get to our homepage, you'll see there's a, a yellow button that says coronavirus and well-being. If you click on that yellow button, that will take you into all the information, the different toolkits. So we've got a loneliness toolkit and a families toolkit. 
And I think tomorrow we're going to post an uncertainty toolkit, which is obviously around what we were yeah, talking about, yeah. about control and where we can, you know, where to kind of place our worries and where to try not to to uh, go go yeah. there with worries. So there's a huge amount of resources that people can just pick up and see what works for them. But yet yeah, we've got people on the end of the phone lines between 10 and 2, Monday to Friday, that won't be open, unfortunately, over the Easter weekend, but it will be open tomorrow and then then again from Tuesday, 10 a.m. Well, I know, I know that you'll be helping so many people um, across the South Coast, so a big thank you for all the work that you're doing, Sue, and, and, and the team back at Solent Mind as well. And thanks for, your, thanks for your time this evening. Good to talk to you, and well, I know that will have helped a lot yeah. of people. Uh, thanks for having me, OK? You're very welcome. Well, Stay safe, Sue. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Sue Forber from Solent Mind. A reminder of that helpline number, 02380 So you can call them any day between 10am and 2pm, 02380 Good to chat to Sue Forber from Solent Mind. Of course, having a big impact on our mental health this situation. It's also having an impact on our physical health. And to talk about that, co-founder of WellFit and Sweat Southsea, Luke Newton. Uh, Luke, it's tough times from a fitness point of view, isn't it? Absolutely. So exercise is really important for our physical and our mental health. And just a change in routine can really bring on symptoms and, and anxiety, um, boredom, all those kind of things. Um, but there is good news. We live in a really connected world. Um, social media can be a really good source of inspiration. And, um, you know, home workouts can be creative as well. And in terms of well, in terms of those creative workouts, are we talking? Are we are we talking home workouts? Yep. So um, I've been advising clients to take a four-step approach, aiming for balance. So my main message is we don't need to come out of this lockdown with abs of steel, having dodged you know the banana bread baking craze and completed nine hundred odd online hit workouts, but we can aspire to some balance. So using the one hour a day um, of outdoor exercise for a walk or a run or a run and a walk or cycling, that kind of thing. Um, and then home exercise sessions and keeping those varied. So mobility and stretching really important or hit training or strength training we can do from home too. And then the other two steps are just avoid sitting down as much as you can. So we expend more calories through non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So that's neat, basically. Um, we expend more calories in neat than we do in any exercise session. So things like cooking or pottering about, we, we're always burning um, calories. And then the other thing is just to try to avoid an increased intake of caffeine, calories and alcohol as well. Um, and all those things can really affect our mood um, and our well-being as well, of course. Explain that to us, because this is something that, that, that sort of has come up. I've heard a few things in the last couple of weeks that's come up in terms of the sort of the eating and, and, the, um, and the sort of things like alcohol consumption and whatnot. There's, there's obviously there's the one side of it which says, you know, exactly everything that you're saying, you know, it's better for our, for our health and it will help us sort of our physical and mental health in the, well, in, the, in the long run if we are disciplined with what we eat and what we drink. And then there's the other side which sort of says to me, well, hang on, we're, we're in a horrible few weeks here, but this will end. So why can't we enjoy ourselves? Is there some benefit to, to just enjoying ourselves at the moment and making the best out of a bad situation? 
I think maybe there's an argument for both, definitely. But if you're anything like me, the hangovers the next day definitely aren't worth it, Robbie. Sure, yeah. Um, With you on I that. personally just think balance is, is key. So, yeah, definitely. I, I'm looking forward to a drink at the weekends and um, joining friends for video calls and that kind of stuff. But... I know that I need to balance that with exercise and with keeping on top of my mental health as well. You know, if we drink um, alcohol, we're increasing our calorie intake. Um, we're going to affect our stress levels, our sleep quality. Um, there's there's more to it than just having a good time at that moment. What about sort of, um, I don't know how, what the best way is to say it, but the fact that we're not all... We're not all mega athletes, you know. We you look you look at a lot of this this country at the moment and whatnot. You know, we we like to not not everyone goes out running and not everyone is going to the gym every day. But yet at the moment, suddenly suddenly we all do want to sort of go out running and go to the gym. But equally, a lot of people, I suppose, we don't re- we don't really realise how much we do actually sort of exercise and move around when we're when we're just going outside, when we're just walking to the car or walking from the car to work or, or walking around the office or whatever. Exactly, and that's back, that comes back to the needs of a non-exercise activity permagenesis. So anything that's not um, workouts or sports like exercise counts towards your needs. So like you say, just walking to work or walking up the stairs, we're not necessarily do- doing all those things now, but we do really need to try to stay active through the day. Um, so yeah, just home, so home exercise, um, just keep it varied. Stretching, mobility session, sessions, HIIT training is great, and there's loads of resources online. Um, strength training so you can strength train with bodyweight exercises and again loads of really great people out there to follow everyone from um, olympians to kind of um, your celebrities your your fitness professionals there's loads of resources out there just make sure that the person giving the advice is qualified yeah and 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 of sort of to follow follow on from that they're all they're all kind of a lot of these online uh, sort of exercise classes and whatnot are sort of group events at the moment and i suppose it's it's a weird one because there's so we're going to talk about sport a little bit later on and um, because there's no there's no sport happening at the moment there's a lot of a lot of you know team sports football rugby whatever a lot of people are missing out on this sort of competitiveness and the actual camaraderie and a lot of people they don't like going running on their own they they, they want to play do something that's competitive and but a lot of people are sort of on their own at the moment and and you know not getting a chance obviously to do any team sports or anything like that what advice would you give to them? Definitely. There's that competitive element and also the social element of sport and exercise as well, which a lot of people are going to be missing at the moment. Um, So I would definitely recommend um, getting groups, WhatsApp, virtual workouts, um, online workouts on Zoom, that kind of stuff as well. But increasingly, we're seeing more and more kind of virtual challenges as well. So um, I know Kelly Holmes is really active for runners and she's doing running drills and virtual runs and all this kind of stuff as well. So just definitely take the time to to see what's out there because there is still options and there is still inspiration and, and and some good news as well i think out there we had a lot of people recently trying to sort of find a way of of, of balancing their exercise and we had this from Haley and hilsey who says uh hi all i i really enjoy uh walking i'm sorry no i really enjoy running but at the moment i'm walking because it takes takes up more time which what which is more which is better to do one's better she says for my mental health for staying out longer one's better for my physical health actually doing some card you know some proper running instead of just just a light walk because obviously it's, yes, it's that yes. hour that we, we want to try and do so what would you suggest there so what I would suggest to do is um, we've all heard of HIT, um, but none of um, some of us might not have heard of LIT, which is lower intensity interval training. So you can actually merge the two, and that way you can get your full hour. So 
start out for a run, maybe drop a pace from what you'd usually do. If you can't run for a whole hour, that's fine. But then just break it up in intervals. So maybe you'll run for 10 minutes and then walk for five minutes, then try to run for 10 minutes again. And that way we can really um, prolong the amount of time we can stay out and still get a little bit of a workout as well. Sure. So so I, so it, it, that sort of like in, in interval training type thing, is that what you... Yeah, exactly. So it's interval training, but rather than going really high intensity and really getting the heart rate up you're just bringing your heart rate up to maybe like 50 to 60 percent so it's lower intensity interval training still interval training you still get some of the benefits um but obviously you'll be able to extend your workouts as well just one one final one for now we had a, f- a few questions i know a few days ago regarding uh, I, I, we, we obviously don't want this to happen but we did hear from thing uh, for hear from matt hancock the health secretary over the last few days um about the the possibility of you know the fact that if people don't play by the rules we could have outdoor exercise you know out of your house band what kind of we, we obviously we don't want to go there until that happens and, and we're hoping that it doesn't happen but what what advice would you give to people you know maybe now they can't they can't even get out of the house anyway yeah it's a really tough one actually and i know a lot of people are really anxious about not being able to or the possibility of not being able to train outdoors yeah if it does come to that then we're going to have to be creative and we're definitely going to have to look after each other more and more um, and that just means checking in with people even if you think they're okay um, and just keeping ourselves semi-accountable so maybe giving ourselves a plan and trying to do three workouts per week um, mixing them up um, doing it from home you could do them over video call with a friend you could um, log them on a fitness tracking app um, put them on social media that kind of thing um, and yeah just try to get a little bit of accountability um, reach out to somebody who might be giving away advice and support for free. Um, loads of fitness professionals are doing that at the moment as well. Um, it's just an opportunity to look after one another. Yeah, of course. Well, that's what we what's what we all need to to try and do. And, and let's let's hope that that doesn't you know doesn't come to that, and we can keep going outside for our, for our exercise. And hopefully, it, it won't be long before we're able to do it for for a longer time as well. Listen, Luke. Thanks for your time this evening. We appreciate it, and um, stay safe. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for your time. Express FM. Welcome back to our coronavirus special. I just want to remind you of that helpline number for Solent Mind for anyone that might be struggling and wants to get in touch with them. It is 02380 They're open weekdays between 10am and 2pm, but won't be open over the bank holiday weekends. Uh, Henry Deacon, our local sport expert on the line. Good evening, Henry. Very good evening to you, Robbie. How are you? Are you well? Yeah, not too bad. I'm a bit red like a tomato and spent the afternoon in the back garden. But yeah, they're, they're keeping good spirits. Good. Um, right. Local. Last time we spoke, it was a couple of weeks ago and things were starting to, it was sort of the, the stages of everything getting cancelled and everything sort of, everything was quite raw still. Um, two weeks on from that, things are now, we're seeing more sort of, plans being put in place and sort of conclusions of seasons and whatnot happen in the last couple of weeks? So yeah, what I'm going to start, I'm going to start with rugby tonight because um, since we last spoke, uh, the rugby seasons have finished uh, below the Gallagher Premiership, which which uh, locally is not a massive issue for us. Mm. But what it does affect is promotion and relegation because effectively what they've done is that they've frozen the league and the average points per game has been deciding promotions and relegations. Now, the big winners 
from that, I haven't rugby football club who have been promoted uh, to the to the next league up to them. So massive congratulations to them. Obviously not the circumstance they have done it in. So they've been promoted, and, and obviously teams requisitely have been have been relegated. So the plan is that those the leagues below the Premiership, which a lot of our local sides will be uh, involved in, will start as normal next season, which is around September time, which we hope we're, you know, we're out of it. Uh, so that will start in September and then the, the Premiership will, will try and finish when it's safe to do so. And that's going to be that. That's that's big for having because I, I know they're not. I mean, they're not professional. I know in that in that league, but nonetheless, that's going to be a big boost for for them and hopefully for the community around there because it's a bit. You know, they're, they're in, they are in a high league. No, they're not professional. Exactly, and and I think they're one step away from the from like the professional leagues as well now. So it's it's a it's a big step up for them. It's a big jump up for them, and it, it's good for the it's good locally as well for the people of having and Lee Park and. Like I say, obviously not the circumstances they want it to be, but for them to have another team on their doorstep that's, that's doing quite well, it's only going to be good for the public and, and hopefully a few more people once it's, it's all done will go over and hopefully enjoy a few pints at the rugger. Yeah, but it'd be nice because we, we do lack a lot of rugby on the sort of certainly in Hampshire. There's there's very little rugby. I think the closest professional team is London Irish, but they're in they're in Reading, and then you've got to go sort of London or, or West Country way for for any other local professional rugby. Um, what else is going on there? I, I know there's been a lot of developments from the football side of things, with a lot of seasons being wrapped up as well. Yeah, it's still very sticky as far as football is concerned. The last time we, we, we spoke, the leagues were expunged below the National League South, below Haven's League. But since then, there's been a letter which has gone to the Football Association. It's been signed by, I think it's now over 160 clubs, including them a couple of sides in League One, basically saying that uh, you, you can't exactly expunge a whole season, meaning that the season didn't happen. And that one way or another, there should be a conclusion to the season. I think a lot of people will want the season to be finished, perhaps if it's safe to do so in the summer, to maybe in August, and then maybe start the season a little bit later than just try and cram the season in or decide it by points per game. There's been one or two clubs that have been talking about null and void, but that those murmurs seem to be coming from one or two clubs here and there. But I think the consensus is, is to try and come to a conclusion one way or another. And I think the preference for a lot of supporters and for a lot of clubs is to try and, if it's safe to do so, conclude the season. But it's very, very tough and indefinitive at the moment. Um, so those leagues we don't we believe is done but could change. Haven't are still waiting what's happening uh, from the National League. They've got to take their directive from the FA. And as far as Pompey, uh, in League One are concerned, the EFL have met to suspend the season indefinitely, but the EFL and the Premier League are determined to try and finish this season as soon as possible, as safely as possible. There's been a lot of talk this week about uh, about the, the 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 rich clubs, the Premier League football sides, you know, and, and them furloughing their players and whether it's right that they do and whatnot. Um, is, are we going to get situations where this is going to be similar in some local sports? I'm, I'm thinking maybe Haven and Waterlooville, teams like that, that do pay some members of staff? Yeah, I think there's been a fair bit of a furlough across across the leagues. I mean, Sunderland in League One have furloughed all their players and staff, and I know more or less every club below that that level has had to do so because financially they can't uh, they can't sustain paying them for such a, a long period of time without any income. At the moment, as far as Havens concerned, nothing's going into the club whatsoever. There's no match day income, and one of the huge revenue streams they're having is for having the the clubhouse, the Westley, the bar, which is packed seven days a week. Obviously that. 
that can't open and there's no money going in that way. So I know the club are looking at things to do when um, when when this is all over and, and possible ideas, which I think one or two ideas I won't go straight into right now, but there, a lot of clubs are coming up with ideas to try and benefit and boost their uh, themselves economically come the end of this. We've got a few minutes left. I want uh, obviously a bit of the football season, a bit of the rugby season has been has been has been uh, has, has been a nightmare because of this. But the cricket season and summer sports they're just starting out. So what I know that county cricket isn't going to be starting until at least twenty eighth of May, although that looks very unlikely at the moment. Um, a lot of lo- there's a, there's quite a big scene locally in terms of cricket around the, around this area. What's the the latest there that we're expecting? So Monday, the uh, the ECB announced that for the local village league, so the, the Southern Premier Leagues, um, there must be a start date of June the 4th. If they can't get started by June the 4th, they may not be able to have a, a season altogether, which would be absolutely uh, catastrophic, especially for those that like to spend their summers, obviously, in a village green and, you know, playing cricket. So, that, so that's, can... that's absolutely no, no cricket, and because that, that's unlikely to happen, isn't it, during the 4th? Well, I suppose again, that's the thing. Nobody knows yeah. unless, unless you know, if if these trends are working well, maybe. But even then, it'd be a bit of a push. Uh, professionally, as you say, county cricket, Hampshire won't be starting to at least May the twenty eighth. There's a lot of doubts now over the hundred competition. Um, if we're going to see any cricket this summer, I'm assuming it's probably going to be white ball. The Vitality Blast is probably the most viable option if you are going to have any cricket in the summer, and, and maybe the One Day Cup for Hampshire. The cricket season, in, in all honesty, doesn't it doesn't look too positive, unfortunately. I suppose I'm, I'm trying to sort of think about this because we always say that sport is, you know, sport sport comes second to things like this and whatnot. But equally, sport does have an uh, have an impact on our on our health, uh, both physically and and mentally, especially for a lot of supporters. You know, the 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 hype, everything that goes with all the emotion that goes with sport has such a big impact and such an escape for people. Just quickly, that that's surely going to play a part as well in, in some of these decisions that get made? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, we dictate our calendars around sport a lot of yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's had a massive effect on people. And I think that's probably why, in a safe environment, talking about Premier League behind closed doors, maybe trying to make that happen, just to give someone something, give people something to look forward to. Um, if things work out well, we could possibly see football in July, maybe August. But again, it's it's all too early. To, it's all guesstimation work at the moment. But fingers crossed, we get some cricket this year, and we get we get to finish off the, the seasons in football and rugby, and of course the tennis season as well. Obviously, Wimbledon's been cancelled. It'd be nice that uh, they can have a bit of tennis action as well this year. Yeah, well, I saw that uh, you mentioned them playing uh, other sports and whatnot. I know that they've been rerunning one of the cricket matches, one of the test matches from last year between England and Australia. They're doing the whole five days of that ball by ball as of today, and it's just been. It's been comforting to hear some sport live or, or, or sort of not live. But um, Henry, thanks very much for your time this evening. And uh, listen, let's hope we get some sport soon because I know me and you both, both need our fix, don't we? Exactly, Robbie. Stay safe, you. Stay safe, everyone. 
A big thank you to Henry Deacon from Over the White Line and our local sport expert. A big thank you also to my other guests, Luke Newton, co-founder of WellFit and Sweat Salsi. We also had Sue Forber from Solon Mind on the show and from Bisco Solicitors, Stuart Seagrove also. A big thank you to all of my guests for their time. And of course, anytime you have a question or a query or a concern, you can email it to me and I will try and answer it on the show. You can email robbie at expressfm.com. I will do my very best to answer them if we can on Wednesday. Wednesday evenings from 6 o'clock.